Our scripture reading tonight is Psalm 77. Psalm 77. If you're using the Pew Bibles, it's found on page 913. At the conclusion of the reading of the word, I encourage you to keep your Bibles open tonight as we will delve a little bit more into Psalm 77 throughout the message. The psalmist says, I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated and my spirit asked, Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw you, God, the waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea. Your way through the mighty waters though your footprints were not seen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses, Aaron, Aaron. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A young father was working in his upstairs office when he realized that a folder that he needed had been left down in the front entry of the house. So as he exited his office to go and retrieve it, he passed his wife, who reminded him that her parents would be there in about an hour for supper. As he made it to the top of the stairs, 
his cell phone chimed. And he looked down, and he saw that his 8 a.m. meeting for tomorrow had been canceled. He was enjoying that thought as he made his way down the stairs. When his daughter met him coming up to show him her newest artwork from school. He was giving her a hug and finishing that, congratulating her on her latest watercolor, when his son raced past him and called out, don't forget, Dad, my baseball game tomorrow night. He assured his son that he would be there. When he finally made it to the main floor of the house, he stopped, and he looked around, and he thought, why did I come down here? Not being able to recall the reason, he went back up to his office, hoping he would remember when he got there. We, too, are a forgetful people. Perhaps some of you can relate to stories like that. Some of that forgetfulness happens because we're busy. Other times it happens because we're growing older and our minds just don't work like they once did. The psalmist in our passage tonight, likely Asaph, a worship leader appointed by David for the Tabernacle Choir, also wrestles with a problem of memory when he finds himself in distress, or as some translations put it, deep trouble. We might even call him a bit depressed. While we don't know the specific source of his trouble, we do know what he does to try and alleviate it. He emphatically cries out to God, knowing that God will hear and that God can help. He says, if you look at verse 2, When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out my untiring hands. Other versions say he raised his hands in prayer to God all night long. As he does this, he tries to remember and meditate on what God has done. The word meditate can be translated to muse, a word related to music. And as some of you know, when you put words to music, you often remember them better because they go right to the heart. For example, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. And what? And a light unto my path. Some of you know that song. And you're singing the words of Psalm 119, verse 105. When we meditate, like putting words to music, we work God's truth into our hearts. 
But if you look at verses 3 to 6, you see that even though the psalmist meditates, he doesn't remember anything specific. And in turn, he doesn't have much success in being lifted from his distress. In fact, what follows, beginning in verse 7, is a series of rhetorical questions, maybe even with a little bit of sarcastic tone in them. He asks, Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? In the midst of his despair, the psalmist could not search out the answer to these questions. He did not remember these truths about who God is. This brings to mind a few visits I've had in the last year and a half where the person I'm visiting is discouraged, almost a bit despondent. We read Scripture and often sing, proclaiming the message of God's goodness, and yet they have a hard time remembering specific examples of God's faithfulness in their lives. In turn, the visit in conversation, although meaningful and pleasant, does not seem to fully help lift their spirits. Perhaps some of us have experienced those times of discouragement as well when God seems distant and it's hard to remember the things He has done for us. Tim Keller, in his devotional on the Psalms, writes that meditation, remembering and reflecting on how God is, is at work, is not a matter, is not the work of a moment. It takes sustained, serious effort. Sometimes it's even the work of a lifetime. It takes the work of God's Spirit nudging and prodding us to think back to the times He has shown His faithfulness to us. God leads the psalmist in the second half of the psalm to do just that. Look at the dramatic turn we see in verses 11 and 12. The psalmist says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. What does the psalmist remember? He remembers first who God is, that he is holy and that he is great, 
that he is greater than all other gods. He remembers that he performs miracles and that he shows his awesome power among the nations. He remembers that God is the one who redeems his people. This meditation becomes even more successful when the psalmist begins to name specific things that God has done, including, in verses 17 and 18, God's hand in nature. The clouds pour down rain, the thunder rumbles across the sky, God's arrows flash as lightning lights up the sky. The Creator is at work. And the psalmist marvels and meditates on what he sees and what he hears. The psalmist also remembers the way God redeemed his people during the Exodus, leading them out of Egypt and away from Pharaoh and the Egyptian army. The psalmist proclaims, When the Red Sea saw you, O God, its waters looked and trembled. The sea quaked to its very depths. Your road led through the sea, your pathway through the mighty waters. A pathway no one even knew was there. This time, the meditation is successful. The reminder of God's past actions has renewed the psalmist's belief and his despair has been lifted. Now he is prepared to face his struggles. Facing challenges are part of everyone's life for sure. And for those that may come upon us in 2023, there are things that we can also do with God's help to help us remember God's mighty works and His faithfulness that will help us renew our faith and our trust in Him. The story is told in an Our Daily Bread devotional of Sue, a woman who wanted to grow in her faith and who wanted to become more aware of God working in her life. To do so, she started what she called a thanks-living jar. Each evening, on a small piece of paper, she writes one thing for which she gives thanks to God. Then she takes that paper and drops it into her thanks-living jar. Some days she has many praises to choose from. Other times, on more difficult days, she struggles to find just one. At the end of the year, she takes that jar and she empties it. 
and she meditates on all those messages, all those things she wrote down, those reminders of how God was at work and how he was faithful in her life. Some things were quite simple. How God provided a beautiful, cool evening for a walk in the park. Other times, she was reminded of how God provided his grace during those times of struggle. Or how he answered a prayer to a prayer that she had been praying for a long time. Often, God was moving and working in her life, even though, as the psalmist says towards the end of this psalm, his footprints were not seen. Each of these events were worth remembering, remembering the way that God had poured out his mercy and his grace upon her life. we can also see evidence of God's mercy and grace when we meditate on passages from God's Word where we reread or perhaps read for the first time stories about God's redemption and how He delivers His people. We may, for example, turn to the book of Daniel maybe in chapter 6, when God delivers Daniel from being mauled and crushed by the lions because he was accused, perhaps rightly so, of continuing to pray to God and give him thanks. Daniel says, My God sent his angel to shut the lions' mouths so that they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight. Perhaps we meditate on the book of Ruth, a book we used here at LaGrave several years back during our Advent season, of how God uses the unlikely character of Boaz to provide care for Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi, and even to put Ruth in the lineage of King David and Jesus. Maybe we turn our attention to the story of Abraham and Isaac in Genesis 22, how Abraham is tested by God and nearly kills his son Isaac as a sacrifice. At the last minute, an angel calls out, Do not lay a hand on the boy, Abraham. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham is stopped in his tracks and God provides a ram for the sacrifice instead. All of these stories are worth remembering. As is the Exodus account that the psalmist meditates on in this psalm. Perhaps, though, 
the most important thing to meditate on is the greatest exodus of all time. When Jesus liberated us, his people, not just from social or political bondage, but from sin and death itself by what he accomplished on the cross. Tonight, we have the privilege of meditating in a very tangible way on that sacrifice as we come to the table to commune with him, to be fed spiritually, and to receive his grace. Jesus said, this is my body. This is my blood. Do this as you remember me. The sacrament of the Lord's Supper reminds us that what looked like defeat on the cross was actually God working out his plan of salvation for the whole world. When we meditate on that, we will have the resource for facing anything that may come our way in the new year. For Jesus said, we will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And he did that through his death and through his resurrection. That, my dear friends, is worth remembering. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, for the stories it contains, for the promises that we read, for the assurance it brings us. But Father, we thank you most of all for Jesus Christ, your Son, who you sent to redeem us from the pit of hell. Father, help us in the new year that lies ahead, to meditate and remember the greatest sacrifice of all time. We ask all these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.